Tonight we're going to jump into our panel discussion, and uh, I have some new guests with me tonight, and uh, I'm going to give them an opportunity just to um, share a little bit about who they are, and uh, then we'll dive into our study tonight. So this is uh, Rick Barsh. Hey everybody, Hi, my name is Rick, and my wife's name is Roxanne. We have three little ones, and uh, I teach currently in a local university, uh, the teacher education program. And so, yeah, we've been here at Calvary for some time. So, thanks. Awesome. Hello, I'm Oscar Abad. Um, I've been married to this uh, beautiful lady here for many, many years. Uh, I'm a uh, project manager for a mechanical contractor. Uh, design building pharmaceutical facilities, and i um, just glad to be here with all of you tonight. All right. And I'm Cookie, Oscar's wife, and I'm just blessed to be here with you guys to share. I'm semi-retired and loving this phase of my life. <laughs> Three great. beautiful grandchildren that are the joy of my life. Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm so glad that you guys are here, so open, or looking forward to you know, this discussion, and this is part three in our Loving God series, and tonight we are talking about loving God with our mind. Last week we talked about loving God with our soul, our emotions, but tonight it's the mind, so we're probably not going to need these Kleenexes tonight, so, (laughs) but um, we're in Mark chapter 12, if you want to turn there, and um, In Mark chapter 12, we have been unpacking over these last several weeks um, what's been called the first and the greatest of all the commandments, um, to love God, and then the second is to love people. And So I'm going to read this passage, and then we'll go ahead and dive into it, and um, I'm going to go ahead and pray first for our time together. Father, we love you, and God, we know that you have called us... um, The deepest things that we can do is to love you in return. But you've called us to love you with our whole person. And that's what we're talking about tonight. And so, God, I pray that you would be in this conversation, that you would bless it, that you would use um, each one of us here that are part of this discussion and this conversation, that you would use this to enlighten and inspire and help all of us that are gathered here tonight online Um, to grow in our love and our understanding of who you are. And so we give you this time, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, verse 28 says this, Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, speaking of Jesus, he asked Jesus, which is the first commandment of all? Now, you guys know that in the Pentateuch, there are 613 laws and 10 glorious commandments that God, you know, has given to his people and through Moses there in the Pentateuch. And so this scribe is is thinking about that. Okay, we got 613 of these, which is the greatest? And this is how Jesus responds. Jesus answered, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second is like it, that you should love your neighbor as yourself, and there is no other commandment greater than these. Now, before we get into our discussion, I think it's important that we understand that when Jesus says that we're to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that he's not saying the same thing four different ways. You know, he's not saying, um, uh, you know, he's wanting to make a, a point, I think a statement, that God wants us to love him with our whole person, with every aspect of our being. So in our first study, we talked about the heart and how that refers to in Scripture. It's like the deepest desires. It's our passion. The heart is about priority, what's first. 
Um, loving God with our soul. We talked about that, that that represented our feelings and our emotions, but also our personality, which um, I thought that was really important to, to understand that and bring that, that out because every single one of us here have been wired a little bit differently. Um, and then next week we're going to talk about what it means to love God with our strength. And the strength is our actions, it's our might, it's our talent. All of that is, you know, wrapped up in that idea of loving God with our strength. But tonight our focus is on the mind. And I think in a lot of ways that one might seem odd to us, you know, to love God with our mind. I mean, if I said that I, I love my wife with all of my heart, like you get that. It's like, okay, yeah, I understand that. If I said I love my wife with all of my soul, you probably say, that makes sense. You know, soulmate, we use that term. You know, if I said I love my wife with all of my strength, again, we, we kind of get that one. But if I, if I said, you know, hey, I love my wife with all of my mind, somebody might scratch their head. You know, that's, you're not going to see that one on a Hallmark card, right? You know, you might see the other ones. And I love you with all of my mind. You know, it's not going to be a, a Hallmark card that a lot of people are going to buy. But the Lord does tell us to love him with all of our minds. So I want us to begin just talking about that generally in the sense of what does that look like? You know, what, is, what does that mean and I think it's interesting that in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, we are told that we love God because he first loved us. So our love for God is, is a, in response to his love for us. So I want to begin, Rick, by asking you to just kind of get us started on this idea of, you know, how is understanding with our mind the love of our Father a precursor and really a necessary precursor into our loving of God? Yeah. I think that's a great question. Um, I think it's interesting that you use the word uh, understand. Yeah. Uh, your question was about how we can understand with our mind. Um, and it's really interesting because the word understand means to stand under, yeah. the idea of listening from below. Okay. And so when we think about listening from below and we're in a position of wanting to hear I think that what we need to hear primarily is, what does God think about me? What does God think about my role uh, amongst his people and the world? And so to, to understand or really to love God begins with the desire to understand, you know, and how needed it is in our culture, especially in our world today, in our families, to understand what God really says about you and what he says about me. And that's, that's critical, but I think it d- demands that we're, we're in a position to listen you know, and, I, and we'll talk, I'm sure, tonight about what Scripture has to say and how we hear God through that. But I think primarily understanding what the Father says about us. I mean, we're told in no uncertain terms that he loves us with an everlasting love, you know, that he has set his love upon us, uh, that uh, he loves us in such a way where it's, it's unconditional. And these are the things that we begin to white, renew our minds with. And so I think as we begin with understanding, well, what does God say about who I am and how much he loves me? We recognize that we're sons and daughters of the Most High, you know, and that we've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so part of it, I think, is what, renewing our minds in such a way that we begin to think about who does God first say that I am? And then I think from there, it really becomes a, uh, a catalyst for me then to have this kind of unction or desire then to love others uh, and to love God. So, yeah. I love that. I love that. And understanding is a key. And I I think, you know, going back to the analogy that I used about my wife, Denise, you know, it it might sound funny, but when you really think about it, it makes all the sense in the world because my love for her is growing the more I understand her. Um, how, how many years have you two been married? 39. 39. 39 years. That's amazing. That's amazing, you guys. That's so awesome. I have to get a calculator. And Oscar, are you still learning about cookie after 39 years? Yes. Yes. I think I, think I know her real well. And nothing really surprises me, you know. So. What about you? Are you still learning about him, things about him? I, there are things that I feel like I know about him, but I forget, and yeah. I revert to my way of behaving or thinking about him, and I have to like, oh, yeah. Okay, if I tell him that I have a problem, 
He's not going to say, oh, hon, I'm so sorry. I, I feel you. He's going to say, let's figure out how to fix this. So, you know, I know him, but yeah, yeah. I have to think about it sometimes. I think we're always, you know, learning. One of my friends calls his wife a beautiful mystery, you know, and they've been married a long time, you know, but it's like I, I really feel that way a lot of times about Denise, you know, that she's that beautiful mystery. So I love that, Rick, that you're you're talking about how, you know, we understand with our mind, and the more we understand about who God is, and I love how you brought up the idea of and our identity in him, because that's so key, you know, is he is so much wanting us to understand who we are in Christ. You know, that is one of the major themes, I think, in the, in the New Testament. Um, so let, let's just keep talking about this for a minute, Rick, and, and this idea of, you know, this intersection of, you know, we've got the mind, but then there's an intersection that takes place between the, our faith and our mind. You know, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's interesting that you use the word hearing again, you know, because it harkens back to what we said about the word understand. It's that listening from below and a desire to to really understand one another. And so when I think about um, the convergence of our faith and our mind, I love what you shared earlier about, you know, how on a Hallmark card, we're probably never going to hear about loving, you know, somebody with all our mind. But, you know, I think that really what our mind is, is it's about our, our volition, our will, that the mind is actually the center of our, our, our desires. And so when we think about our mind as being a sense, a sense of our desires, then I think about the way that actually it becomes a willful act then to love one another. You know, that this is a desire to love one another irregardless of, again, how they might interact with me. And I'm sure we'll talk about that later tonight. But when I think about the convergence of our faith and our mind, I think automatically we're, we're, we're built to think about merely the intellect, you know, so it almost becomes like an agreement with facts or an intellectual right. assent. But I think it's much more than that. I think when we think about scriptures that talk about the mind, you know, it talks about um, setting our mind on things above and not on the things of the earth. And so with that, I think about really about a reshaping of our desires. Yeah. You know, you might even think of it as a, um, a realigning of our desires with God's desires yeah. and what he says about you and me and, and our world. But, um, or maybe even you think about it as an exchange of, of my thoughts and desires for his. And I think that's critical. And so in some ways, um, perhaps there should be a Hallmark card that talks about, you know, loving with our minds because it really is, it speaks about a willful act to choose to love. Right. And that's, that's, that's key. Yeah. yeah. That's so good. So good. And what's interesting to me is, is in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, when Jesus is talking about the, the new covenant, he says, um, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord, that I will put my law in their mind and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and, and they shall be my people. And so right there in the very core aspect of the new covenant, God's saying, I'm going to do something new and fresh in your mind, you know. Um, not just your heart. He, he mentions the heart as well in talking about the new covenant, but in your mind, because it, it is about how we choose to think. And I want to get to that thought a little bit later about the idea of our, our having a, how this affects our worldview, because I think that's really, really important. But I even was thinking about this verse as we were talking about this, as it relates to, you know, this time that we are living in. In fact, I think the first message that I preached when this whole, um, you know, pandemic started was 2 Timothy 1.7, where it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And so you're right. The scripture does talk a lot about our mind. And it's very important, I think, that we, we don't just think about the mind in the way of intellectual facts. That's part of it, but it's not, it's not all of it. And, and, and in fact, you know, when we talk about wisdom, you know, the difference between wisdom and knowledge, they say, is that wisdom is knowledge applied. And it's the application of um, knowledge. And so it's one thing to know things. You know, it's one thing to know things about God. But it really, I think, only becomes love for God when those things that we know about him are being acted out 
in our lives. And so I want to ask you, um, Oscar and Cookie, um, how is loving God with our minds the key to really allowing him to change and transform us? Um, Awesome question. Um, I believe, just like the eyes are the uh, considered the window to your soul, I believe that the mind is the door to the heart. And I say this because when we turn our thoughts, we set our minds on the Lord, we, uh, we, we direct our thoughts towards him. Uh, it is then that God can begin to change our hearts, um, our motives, our sinful nature. Uh, until we do that, you know, God um, cannot start changing our hearts. And, and, you know, I learned as I'm reading through Job um, that man cannot change his own heart. Only God can. The only thing that man can do is change his mind. And um, uh, I wanted to share for a couple of seconds here uh, about Job. It it. tells us that in Job chapter 1, verse 1, a little bit about him. And it says that Job was blameless. He was upright. He was one who feared God and turned away from evil. And that word turned, meaning that he changed his mind towards evil. He directed his mind and his thought towards God. And as I was reading, and this blew me away, chapter 31 of Job, and I encourage everyone to to read this chapter. Job lists ten sins that he says, I am not guilty of any of these. And if God finds me guilty in one of them, judge me, God. Do whatever you need to do. And the first sin he lists is lusting after a young woman. And so I read Job's 31, verses 1 through 4, and it says, I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? For what is the allotment of God from above? And the inheritance of the Almighty from on high, is it not the destruction of the wicked and the disaster for the workers of iniquity? Does he not seize my ways and count all my steps? When I read this, I ask myself, really, Job? You never lusted after a woman? I don't think, I, I, I don't think a man that has never lusted after a woman. And so, was Job lying? Or was he saying the truth? And I believe he was accurately describing really what, what has happened to, to his heart. See, when he knew he couldn't change his heart, but he knew he could change his mind towards deciding to lust or, or think on evil. And when Job decided to say, I can't change my heart, only God can change it, then he set his mind on the Lord. And what we see then is that he's given God the permission to begin to transform his heart and renew his mind. And therefore, what happened to Job was he knew and he understood that from the very beginning that the heart of man and the thoughts of his hearts were evil continually. He knew that God understood that and he himself understood that. And he knew what Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, who can know it? And I wanted just to read that passage in Jeremiah because it gives you the key of loving God with all your mind. It says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? And then the Lord says, I, the Lord, search the hearts. I test the mind even to give every man according to his way, according to the fruits of his doing. And so Job came to realize that since he couldn't change his heart, the one thing he could take control of is to change his mind. And as he did that, he gave God the opportunity, he opened the door to his heart for God to change that. And then no wonder we see Job not sinning. You know, God has given us the power not to sin, right? But what happened in Job's case, as he submitted to God, presented himself as a living sacrifice. With his mind, God began to change his heart, and he began to sin less and less 
and less to the point that lust wasn't an issue anymore yeah. in his heart. And so that's the way uh, Job is a great example of that. So That is. That's a great point. And I love um, the way that you, you know, kind of broke that down. And, and the idea being of, you know, we, we make a choice. And so w- would you say that this really involves, um, you know, some spiritual discipline in, in, in how we think? Yes. I mean, the scripture teaches us. To be able to manage. See, you're the, yeah. you're the gatekeeper. Right. You're the gatekeeper. I have a choice. A great picture. I have a choice when there's, you know, the Bible says that out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, fornication, murder, adultery. Yeah. And I have a choice as I feel these things percolating up in my heart, ready to just, I have a choice to bring these thoughts onto captive. the obedience, mm-hmm. captive onto the obedience of Christ. So I'm a yeah. thought manager. I have that. Ability, God's given me that. And so as I do that, then it's a choice. Then I allow to God, for God to re- renew my heart and transform my heart. As I'm not conforming, he begins to transform me. And then in, 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 in the same, at the same time, he begins to um, uh, renew my mind. Right. right. That's what Romans says. Right, right. And so, yeah, we, we, we could do that, you know. Yeah, you both have mentioned that verse in Romans twelve two. You know that where Paul says, "Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." And I like the way John Phillips in his translation: "Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, but be transformed." But it happens through the renewing of our mind and learning about how you know how we think and what we think about, and as it relates to. Um, God and I, I want to get really practical now, and and um, and just talking about in a sense like, okay, what does this look like in a sense to love God with our minds? And and the first thought that came to my mind is is that loving God with our minds starts with who we think about. You know that it's kind of what you said in the very beginning. It's having a right view of God. And I'll be honest with you, when I first was saved. I didn't have a, a right view of God, you know. Definitely before I was saved, I didn't have a right view of God, you know. But even after I got saved, I think I, you know, I viewed God as almost like um, Gandalf, you know, from Lord of the Rings, you know. And that, that like, big guy, long beard, who was just waiting to bash me over the head, you know, anytime I stepped out of line. And I lived, in a sense, with a great deal of the fear of God, but it more—it was more like the Godfather type of fear than the God who is my Father, you know, reverence type of fear, and um, so it's—it's it's having you know a right view of God, and obviously that's going to come from Scripture, right? That's where we get a right view of God, um, but but I want to just talk about what that has looked like in each one of your lives. Over the years, um, you know, Cookie, how long have you been walking with the Lord? Use your mic. Yeah. <laughs> 42 years, something like that. 42 years. Yeah. Okay. What, what about you? I was born again in 1976. Um, so get your calculator July out. July <laughs> 1976. So it's a long time. A long time. <laughs> what about you, Rick? Uh, 27. 27 years. 27 yeah. years, okay. I've been walking with the Lord for um, over 40 years and um, as well. And, you know, my understanding of who God is has, has changed and grown. Um, so can, can you guys give some insight into maybe what that progression has looked like in, you know, each one of your lives? And um, Rick, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, I think, you know, as I look back, I can remember sitting, um, you know, I was 17 when I was I was born again, and I remember sitting in a Bible study of some rather mature believers, college group, and them talking about, you know, the book of Romans and Paul, and I, I had never even heard of, that it was even a book or who he was. I thought he was, you know, a neighborhood friend. I had no idea. <laughs> and I, and they're, But they're talking to him with, with such honor, and, and I'm thinking, who is this guy, and how do they know all this? And it really, you know, when I became a Christian, it really was just that, a renewing of mine. There was a change of desires. You know, we've said that here tonight already, but it really was just that. It was, it was, um, 
It was a work of that Holy Spirit of, of just giving new desires in exchange, you know? And when that happened, I think it just became, um, in many ways, an insatiable desire for his word because I knew that that was the compass to understand who God was and what he, how he wanted to interact with me. So I think early on, <clears throat> fortunately, I was able to surround myself with like-minded people that wanted to study his word and really just, you know, encourage one another. That was really key for me. And so I found myself in a place of just wanting to be at every Bible study I could, you know, wanting to read on my own. And um, that, was, that was kind of the first start of, of really just kind of growing in knowing, um, of loving God with all of my mind, was that place of just coming, coming to the scriptures. Um, and fortunately, I had people around me that were able to kind of point me in that direction. It's awesome. I think I mentioned earlier, uh, Rick and Oscar both are part of our leadership team here at the church. And, um, you know, I love these guys. They both bring different uh, aspects to um, our uh, leadership here. And I think Oscar has been a part of our leadership the whole time I've been here. So that's like 23 years that Oscar's been putting up with us. Um, but one of the things I love about Oscar in, in our meetings is that, you know, he, he is a studier and he loves to study. And so he always, you know, comes with his giant iPad that he has with us right, right now. And, uh, but he always just has some really great nuggets um, to share as we're seeking God's direction and as we're seeking the Lord together. And, and I know, you know, Oscar, your whole process of being a student of God's word has, you know, grown over the years. Why don't you share a little bit about your journey in that way? Um, when I first got saved, I had a lot of zeal, but no knowledge. And, uh, and it wasn't until really until I got married and I became a father that um, I wanted to find out what God was like. I wanted to um, not merely to, to listen to people and and learn what God was like from their point of view, but I wanted to get into the scriptures and and really document what God's character was like, what his attributes uh, were about, his dealings with ordinary people. And so... Many of you know I love history. I love the Old Testament. Um, I spent a lot of time reading the Old Testament. And so I began reading at Genesis. And I began to document in my journal everything about God. His character, his attitude, his attributes. And I made a long list of those characters and attributes. And then I decided to keep a list of passages of scripture that needed to be under uh, to be understood uh, a lot deeper, and so the this list I still have. I I I, I take these passages and I and I dig deep until I find the truth and I understand what they mean. I'm like a bulldog. Once I latch <laughs> onto it, I never let go. I also made a list of hey, the things that. Hey, Oscar, um, can yeah. I just ask you this question? Yeah. When you say dig deep, yeah, um, what what does that look like? Like, what, oh, okay. what are you? Yeah. What tools are you using? What? Yeah. Well, um, I like to learn um, first, uh, investigate the background of what was said in the scripture and why. Um, so I, I get into, you know, whether, whether I read the Chronicles, whether I read the historical backgrounds of why, uh, what, what something happened during the, the time of the king. And, 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 and so sometimes I'll go to the prophet that was prophesying during the time of the, the reign of this king. So I, I, I paint a good picture through scriptures of what, what, um, what the scripture really supports and, 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 and teaches. Then I have some study tools that I use. I have my favorite, you know, Bible commentators. I, obviously I have the, the Greek and the lineards and the lexicons and all that, but, um, uh, I like to read uh, Alan Redpath. I like to read Harry Ironside, uh, David Guzik, uh, 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 McDowell. You know, uh, uh, those are my those are my favorites. John MacArthur. I love John MacArthur. Um, uh, so I I do that. Uh, so basically, then uh, I also like as I'm reading through the scriptures and the Lord something comes up and there's a passage. I made a list of the of the passages that 
God said that these would be important to share with others so that they can learn what I've learned. And so, um, you know, lately, um, uh, by the way, I stopped the zealous aspect of, of me as I grew in the Lord. That went away, and I became more gracious. Uh, I think I began to reflect the one that I was reading about and, uh, and being changed from faith to faith as I looked into this, this book uh, in the person of Christ. Um, lately, my, uh, my study habits have been um, uh, going through one of my favorite books, I'm sure Rob knows what uh, he's heard about it. It's this uh, study of eschatology, which is the study of the end times. It's called uh, Things to Come by Dwight Pentecost. Um, it teaches you how to interpret scripture, how to interpret prophecy, and um, it's a must-have for any serious Bible student. So that's kind of where I've been camping out. Great book. What about you, Cookie? What does that whole process look like? for you and your walk with the Lord? Well, when you were talking, I thought about um, one of the things that was kind of a, a, a shift in my thinking about who God is. Because you said, you know, you grew up yeah. not knowing really what God was like, thinking of him more as, you know, Gandalf or whatever. <laughs> you know, I, I grew up knowing about God and understanding who God was in the sense of... Um, you know, Bible stories, and I believed God, I believed in God, but I didn't have a personal relationship with God, and Oscar introduced me to the Lord, and I began going to church with him, but I didn't, I I don't have a date like he does of when I was born again, but I recall his brother sitting in front of me at church, and his brother turned around and said to me, isn't it great that God cares about every aspect of our lives and is so personal? And I was like, wow, okay. And, and for me, that was like a turning point, realizing that, you know, he loves me just for who I am. And I didn't have to have all the knowledge or, you know, like you said, said we had zeal. We would go to the, the pier, we'd play his guitar, I'd pass out tracks. We were, you know, just loving the Lord. But I think for me, just understanding who God is has just been a real consistent um, approach to being in his word, being in fellowship, coming to women's Bible studies. I like the accountability of just having a weekly study and people to come and talk to about it. Because I always felt like, okay, if I'm going to study, I want a nugget, something yeah. that the Lord has shown me that can share. really impacted, you know, my thinking that I can share. And so that's, you know, that's what I have um, done as far as just understanding who God is. And, and there's some books, too, that I yeah. feel like kind of... What, what are some of the books that have maybe stood out to you that well, helped you in that way? Um, when I read Why Grace Changes Everything yes. by Pastor Chuck, that was an eye-opener. And definitely, um, like Oscar said, you know, I had a lot of zeal and not a lot of grace. I, I would, you know, <laughs> I was a little bit more like, this is what needs to happen, and this is how it needs to happen. And now I, you know, look at things with more of that sense of, you know, God's gracious to me, yes. and I need to be gracious to others. Yeah, amen. And then the other one. Oscar um, read first and was like, this is awesome, was um, Be Anxious for Nothing uh, by Max Lucado. Yes. And we've shared that with other people. And that helped a lot because I think I was going through a time where I felt like things were stressful and I needed a shift in my thinking. So yeah. those are two. That's good. You know, in my um, experience, I think I, I probably was like a lot of people when they first, you know, come to Christ and... And I would say that my walk with the Lord was this way for uh, a, a while in, in that most of what I was getting um, spiritually was in Bible studies, you know, and at church. Um, some people refer to that as being spoon-fed, you know, and I, I hated to read, so I was not much of a, a reader. Um, and so I didn't read a whole lot 
on my own for a number of years, you know. And then there, there came a point, and it really was when God called me into ministry, um, and I was, you know, I was young at that time. I was like 19 or 20 years old. Um, but what was interesting about that was I, um, I started, somebody gave me um, the Matthew Henry commentary. It's a big old thick commentary of the Bible. Yeah. But it's, it's classic. I mean, it's so good. And I remember I sat down with that thing, and I started like in Genesis and just reading. I'd read a chapter in my Bible, and then I'd read a chapter in Matthew Henry. And I did like you. I got a notebook, and I started you know, writing notes. Well, I, I started going from like spending 30 minutes a day doing that to like four hours a day, that, that hunger, you know, um, because the more that I began to understand the more my appetite grew, you know, and the more my, I, my understanding of God, you know, became, the more I was falling in love with him. And it was like I couldn't get enough, you know, of just desiring to know, you know, who he is. And it's funny to me. I mean, I, I used to joke that I think all through high school I, I read a book. Um, you know, I would read it in, in my test, for like saying for tests, I'd read just the um, – the, like the beginning of the chapter and the end of the chapter. And that was usually enough to get a passing grade. You were the, you know? you were the Cliff Notes guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rick's a teacher, so. <laughs> and, I got my eye on you. Yeah, yeah. But I, but I did okay, you know, and, and I was able to pass. Um, and I read, I think, a biography on Reggie Jackson. <laughs> and I read Surfing Magazine, you know. That was like my my my. Uh, repertoire and um but then all of a sudden it's like completely changed i mean where i right now i mean i spend the week reading hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages and, and studying and stuff and and i love it you know and i just love um but you know it began to be this you know discipline of you know coming before the lord learning you know uh, study methods like like you were mentioning um, you know, inductive stu- study, Bible study method, and, and, you know, learning that type of thing. Um, so there's also been some books that have really shaped my thinking about um, God, you know, and loving Him with my mind. I think one of the greatest books I ever read, and I come back to it and I read it often, is um, a book by Philip Keller. It's a classic. It's called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And um, he just unfolds the whole idea of God being our shepherd in a way from the standpoint of a shepherd. It's just beautiful, awesome, awesome book. Um, some books that were a little more deeper in thought, um, Knowing God by J.I. Packer, um, you know, uh, The Reason for God by uh, Philip Keller. Um, but I, I love the fact that you brought up Max Lucado because all my intellectual friends that are Christians, like they just scoff at Max Lucado because he's he's so devotional, you know. But I love the fact, Oscar, because you know you're an engineer, right? You yes. Know, you're an engineer. You're a smart guy, and you know you you bring up Max Lucado all the time, and I love that because he paints these pictures of who God is that just not only touch my heart and soul, but, but it, it, it affects my whole way of thinking, you know? And I think that's a part of this whole idea of loving God with our mind. As, as I said, it's, it's who we think about, you know, and as we're thinking about who he is. But I think a second part of loving God with our mind, it also involves what we think about. And I love Philippians 4.8, where Paul said this, whatever things are true, Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, think on these things. And that really goes, I think, Oscar, to what you were talking about before of the mind being a gateway and the need for us to discipline ourselves on what we're going to think about you know john corson i know you're a john corson fan as well and he was one of my mentors you know john would often talk about the eye gate and the ear gate you know and both of those affect our mind what we're hearing and what we're seeing 
um, it, it affects our, our mind. And this is the idea of, like, say, I, I can choose what I'm going to think about, you know, what I'm going to focus on. Uh, now, that might mean, um, and I've actually done this uh, in my life, that might mean I'm turning off Fox News because it's like, okay, I can't take this anymore. You know, all the arguing, all the rhetoric, you know, and I need to, I need right now to focus on something else, you know, because it gets, you know, to uh, get me, you know, worked up. Um, You know, I love my dad who's now in heaven, but um, the last time he was in the hospital, (laughs) I went to visit him. I'm like, dad, we need to turn off the the TV. It was Fox News because, um, and I like Fox News, don't get me wrong, but but he gets worked up. I'm like, you're going to have a heart attack right now, (laughs) you know, but it, but it is, it's choosing, you know, right now we live in this social media world where there's so much stuff on, you know, social media and Facebook and all these different opinions. And sometimes, you know, that can get us going on a rabbit trail, you know, um, and it's affecting what we're thinking about. And I think that, you know, what we're thinking about sometimes, um, you know, it, it does affect our, our worldview. And so... Um, why is that so important for us, what Paul's saying here, to be disciplined about what we're thinking about? Anybody want to jump in on that? Sure. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it seems like each year I feel like God gives me a theme, you know, usually a word that, and the word perspective has been just that for me this last year. And I think when I think about loving God with your mind, it's about really, once again, exchanging my perspective for his perspective on things. And so, you know, when you think about worldview, I really think about his view. You know, God's view really is what we're after. And I love what Cookie was sharing about, about earlier about knowing about the difference about knowing about God and then really knowing God. And those 18 inches, you know, as we know from the head to the heart is the longest distance in the world. And I think, you know that really becomes our desire. You know, all these tools that we have in commentaries, those are great things and we need those, but they're just a, they're a vehicle to get to God, right. you know? And my, my, one of my favorite verses, Rob, is uh, Proverbs 25, verse two, and it says that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of mankind to search it out. And it's like God is, is, is calling us to himself. You know, he's drawing us to himself and that um, as we love God with our mind, it's really him just um, in, in a very real way just calling us to himself and and really allowing us to have as much of him as we we desire you know and so um yeah that idea of worldview um is really about i think is about his view so thinking about you know what we're going to think about affects our worldview um it affects our our intimacy with god oscar what are some of the other benefits of um, loving God with our mind? And what are some of the benefits of, of as we think about, as we're, we're making a choice, a discipline, like you're saying, to think about who he is? Uh, right. Uh, one of my f- favorite passages, especially when, when I want to I find God's will, God's direction, it's Proverbs 16, 3. It says, Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, and all your thoughts will be established. And so when I acknowledge the Lord with my mind, I go to the Lord and I say, Lord, um, show me which way to go. Show me what to say. Show me what to do. He establishes my thoughts. My thoughts are his thoughts. And, you know, with regards to having our perspective, our perspective should be formed by the truth of God's word. And I wrote a little statement that I believe that he who sees God in all things think of him at all times. And to me, it's like if I, if I go to God with my mind, he established my thoughts, I'm thinking about how God's going to move in my life. And the consequences of doing that is like my heart's re- transformed, my mind is renewed. I'm in fellowship with God. He has the preeminence, not something else, not Fox News, not you know what the world says I should be conformed to or or live by. Right. And um, and it's a choice that we have, right? It's a choice that we make. 
the consequences of not doing that. I can go to Romans chapter 1. And it says that those, and I'm paraphrasing, that those who refuse to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind that is void of judgment, a mind that cannot discern right from wrong. And then what it says there is that the effects of that was that then they did whatever their foolish hearts made them do. You see that the, you see the yeah. correlation between yep. the mind and the heart? Right. So when my mind does not retain God in my knowledge, then my heart is turned over to, a rep, you know, to foolishness, doing those things which are not normal, committing sinful acts, right? So that's a great um I love the fact that you drew that correlation to to Romans one and the fact that they you know rejected uh you know the knowledge of God in their minds, and the result was you know he he says okay you, you want to live without me, go for it, and this is the the result um of that um any other benefits come to your mind of of just yeah go ahead cookie yeah um I think it's so important. We mentioned setting your mind on things above, not on things on earth. And um, I know for me, I get anxious about things. I feel overwhelmed at times. And if I haven't taken time during the day to give those things over to the Lord, he wakes me up at night. <laughs> and, and, you know... It, I don't like it, but it's a blessing because then I realize, okay, Lord, I haven't brought these things to you. I my mind is going, you know, a million miles a minute. I need to take these thoughts captive and give them to the Lord so that he can take this mountain that is in my brain and reduce it to something totally manageable, you know? Right. And it's it brings that sense of peace. And, you know, if my mind is troubled and overwhelmed, I have to stop thinking about what I'm worried about or what's concerning me or all the things I have to do the next day. And I have to think on what's true. And I think on God knows about my situation. He cares about me. He tells me to cast my cares on him because he cares for me. He's able to handle everything that's on my plate, or take care of the situation that seems impossible. And, you know, before you know it, it's like, ah, I can breathe. And that's a benefit. I can sleep and I have have peace. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, it's with the mind that we're actually appropriating the promises of God. And, you know, when you were talking, it made me think about Philippians 4, 7, you know, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I'm giving that to God. And then what does it say? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, you know, okay, I don't get this right now, but it's, it's his peace that's coming in. But I love how it says, we'll guard your heart's and your mind, you know, and it's so important because I deal with that a lot of times where, you know, I can wake up, you know, at three o'clock in the morning and my mind is going a hundred miles an hour about things that I'm concerned about or, and, and it's like, okay, what am I going to do right now? I need to, I need to give this, you know, to the Lord. I need to let him, you know, deal with this and not me, you know, try to, to carry it and deal with it. And so we, we've seen in here that loving God with our minds involves who we think about, that we're going to think about, you know, God, and, and we're going to view Him through the Scriptures. It's um, it involves what we think about. That we're making a choice to, you know, think on what is true and think on what is right and think on what is biblical. And I think that the the last thing that I would put in there is that loving God with our mind also involves how we think about things. And this is we've talked about this, you know, already tonight of the idea of learning how to develop. Um, or, you know, it's as we get into the scriptures, it's as we seek the Lord that we begin to get that his ver- worldview. I might call it the, the, the Christ-centered 
worldview. And I think that's so important because we're living in a time right now when there's a very skewed worldview as it relates to, to Scripture and, um, and what, what, as it relates really to God's heart. And it's, we're living, Oscar, in Romans chapter 1. We are living in the reality Amen. of that right now, you know. Yes. Because people, not just the people Paul was writing about, not just the people that were referenced in, you know, back in the book of Genesis, but today, I mean, we are a country and a world, really, that has said, we're going to do what is right in our own eyes. And, and, and God has, you know, he's turned us over. You know, we're suffering the consequences in so many ways in our society because we have rejected God in, in our mind. Did you want to comment on that? Or? No, I, I'm just saying amen to, to, to what you're saying because, you know, um, one thing that um, has not changed is man's heart. <laughs> I mean, you know, we inherit that from Adam. It just, so no, amen. So as we kind of wrap this up tonight, there's, there's one final thing that I want us to, you know, just talk about as we are talking about how, you know, we're gaining, you know, we gain a, a perspective of who God is as we, we study the scripture. We, we understand um, God's, you know, view of who we are. We begin to see our identity in Christ. Um, how does that affect, when we start to get that Christ-centered worldview, we start to have our minds renewed by, by the, the word, how does that affect how we relate to others that God brings us into contact with. Um, you want to start us off on that, Rick? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, it's, I think it's along the same lines what we've been talking about tonight. You know, it's really about coming into an agreement with God about what he says about you and me, um, his people, the church, the world, who he is. And in a very real way, I think it's also coming into agreement about, with God about who he says about other people. You know, I love the song by Jason Gray that says, remind me who I am. You know, tell me once again who I am to you. But I think it's also about tell me once again who others are to you, you know. And we remember that God has created each and every one of us in his image. That's powerful. That means that regardless of what value I might assign or ascribe to someone else, they have an inherent value because they're a reflection in some way, shape, or form of, of God himself. And so that's powerful. And so I think it really, again, is about that perspective change. And so when I think about where the rubber meets the road in relationship to, with others, it's about causing me, to, again, to think about that, 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 that idea of it being a gatekeeper of my mind. And, okay, I feel this way, or I, may, I feel wronged in this way, maybe by another or whatever. But who does God, what does God say about this other person? And the reality is, is they're broken just like me. And that, that word of understand comes back full circle, I think, because how often we're needed to just listen from below just long enough to hear somebody else out, you know? And it isn't long before we realize, oh, that's, that's really what's happening, you know, in their hearts, just like it is mine. And so um, I think it's important in our culture, but also in our families, to really aim to really try to, to listen from below and to understand with the mind. I think that's going to be a very practical way to love one another. Yeah, I love that. Listen from below. What about you, Cookie? Any ideas about just how loving God with our mind affects how we relate to others? Yeah, yeah. I, um, I feel like, you know, we're asked to love our neighbors, right? We're told to love our neighbors. We want to see others the way Christ sees them through eyes of grace and understanding. Um, others could be, you know, your spouse, your neighbor, your coworker. Um, husbands are told to love their wives according to understanding. And so, you know, I need to do the same thing to Oscar. I need to be understanding of him. And how I think about him is going to affect how I relate to him in that if um, I'm frustrated with Oscar, something he didn't do or he said or whatever it might be, I have to take those thoughts captive again. And I think, okay, what do I know about Oscar? He loves me. He's not going to do anything to purposefully hurt me or bother me. He has my best interest at heart. And so thinking that way changes the way I'm going to feel towards him and how, you know, I'm not, it's, it's, going, to, it's going to change me from being cold-hearted or cold and withdrawn from him to being receptive. And, and also, you know, with coworkers, like if someone says something 
and plants a thought in your mind, some gossip, and you know you hear it or willingly listen or whatever, the next time you see that person, you're going to have that in your mind. And it might affect the way you talk to them. I might be like, mm, I'm not going to talk to that person anymore because they do this. But if I see them for how Christ sees them and realize they're broken like I am, they're fighting a battle I know nothing about, and I want to give them grace, no matter how they act towards me, I need to reflect Christ. And, and I think it really does affect, you know, how we think is going to affect how we, even the way our eyes, you know, towards someone. When you look at someone, they, you can kind of tell. It's like, you know, so. You know, I, I think um, I, I love what you said there about the idea of applying truth. Like, you know, here here comes a lie or here something, you know, that Oscar did or somebody else did or something that was said and it gets your, you know, you, yeah. you, you know, you start getting your mind kind of tweaked a little bit and you can start going off on a tangent, so to speak. And but Paul tells us about in, in Ephesians chapter six of, you know, putting on the first piece of armor, the belt of truth. Now, that refers to, you know primarily who we are in Christ, but the same principle applies, like you said, okay, what do I know is true, you know, about Oscar? You know, maybe what he just, the way he just reacted wasn't um, very kind and that hurt, hurt me, but what do I know is true about him? That that's really not who he is. That's really not his character. That is so huge. I mean, I think probably um, 80% of our, our marriage counseling would go away if people just practiced, you know, that. And I was thinking about what you were talking about earlier, Cookie, because, and I, I, I would be surprised if, if this didn't happen to all of us. But, you know, I too, when I was younger in the Lord, was way more legalistic and, you know, overly zealous and critical of others. And, but then you come to understand grace, you know, and you start to see, um, hey, I don't have it all together, and and yet this is how Jesus sees me, and you know, I think all of us have who have you know, we've all walked with the Lord for a while would testify that that's maybe one of the biggest things that has changed, at least for me, is how I see others now. You know, because of a greater understanding of you know, God's heart and God's grace. And, you know, I constantly pray this, Lord, help me to have your eyes and your heart toward that person or toward, toward that situation. Um, Oscar, you take us home on this, on this thought of, uh, you know, how does this affect the way we, we relate to others? Yeah. I mean, it's important. We do have the choice of what we think about. And I think what we choose to think about determines our reality. And, and how we perceive and relate to others. Um, and we just need to, um, you know, listen. We've got two ears, right? Listen and, and discern, you know, the, the thoughts and the intents of our heart. And, and filter, filter all that through, you know, am I looking at this through the eyes of the Lord, you know? And, uh, and so that's... I feel that that's a discipline, and I think that's doable if we ask God's Spirit, because he says, Paul says, we've been given the mind of Christ, right? We have to put him on or put him off. You have to put off the old man and put the new man. And it's it's a discipline, but I think the more we do it and the more we love the Lord with all our minds, um, I think we'll end up like Job, you know, sinning less and less, reflecting more the person of Christ, right? Amen. So, Amen to that. Yeah, I think it was R- Romaine who used to say, God has given you two ears and one mouth for a reason. You, know, you need to listen twice as much as you speak. So as we wrap up tonight, we, we've learned that, okay, God wants us to love him with, his, with our mind, that loving God with our mind in, involves um, a discipline and a choice about who we think about, um, disciplining ourselves to get into the Word, to accurately get an understanding of who God is and understanding you know, His heart for us. Um, it involves what we think about, 
that we are making a choice, again, a discipline to say, okay, I'm not going to focus on that, but I'm going to focus on what I know is true. Um, I was thinking about, Oscar, as you were talking about, you know, what Jesus said from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And, you know, a lot of times, I mean, we live in this world, people are doing crazy things and they don't even know what they're doing, you know, because they're lost and they don't know Christ. And, and sometimes I think when we walk with the Lord for a long time, we have a tendency to forget what it was like when we didn't know him and the stupid things that we did, you know. And um, again, Rick, you, you t- tell us one more time. I love the way that you put that about putting ourselves under. Um, what, say that again, how you said that. Yeah, the, the word understand means to stand under. And it carries this idea of, of listening from, from below long enough to really not just hear someone like wah, 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 yeah. but really trying to understand. And I think that's what Paul's saying when he says in Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And he talks there about not being you know, interested only in your affairs, but in the interest of others. And I think that's one of the things that we really can take as we see in the example of Jesus is that Jesus was so others focused. And because of that, you know, he saw um, the people and, and the, a lot of times they, they were lost. He saw them as being like sheep without a shepherd, but he had that heart for them. And uh, so we want to be those who learn to, you know, listen from below, to, to place ourselves under and to come under the heart and the direction and the tutelage of God and saying, hey, I don't have all the answers, but Lord, I know that as I seek you, um, I'm going to become more like you. So thanks, you guys, for joining me tonight. Thanks and, for having us. Uh, Thank, you, Thank you. I love having this format.